Hello, this is Bixby. Welcome to the Bixby Developers Chat Podcast. Here is your host, Roger Kibbe. Hello, Bixby Developer Chat listeners. For this episode, I did something very different. I live recorded the podcast on the hot new social audio and voice startup Clubhouse. The first 20 minutes or so are a traditional interview. Then I opened it up for the Clubhouse audience to jump up and ask questions. This made the conversation very more, and indeed the topics were wide and far, much wider than normal. I would love to hear if you like this format or not. Please comment on my Twitter post announcing this podcast, DM me, or feel free to create your own Twitter post about this experiment. Once again, my Twitter handle is at Roger Kibbe, at R-O-G-E-R. K-I-B-B-E. I am excited about innovation in voice like Clubhouse and excited at innovation in podcasting. So today's podcast is a bit of an experiment in both. So let's get started with the live Clubhouse interview. Why don't we get started? And people will join. So hello, everyone on Clubhouse. We are going to be doing a live podcast recording today. So I'll be talking to Carol and Mikkel. I'm going to introduce in just a second. But just so everyone knows, I want to make it clear that this is actually being recorded. So if you come up and jump on stage later on, when we invite people to the stage, you are going to be recorded. And this is going to be recorded and released as a podcast. So an important caveat to uh, realize there. So let me briefly introduce myself, but then I really want to get to uh, talking to Carol and Mikkel. The format today is going to be probably the first 20, 30 minutes. I'm going to be doing a podcast interview with them. And then the last 20, 30 minutes or however long we go, we're just going to open it up clubhouse for anyone to jump on stage and ask Carol or, or Mikkel any questions. So Briefly introduce myself, Roger Kibbe. By day, I'm a senior developer evangelist for Samsung Bixby. So that means I work with developers, designers, and companies to build amazing voice experiences on Bixby. By night, just a general overall conversational AI voice enthusiast. I work with all of the platforms. I just get very excited about all of the platforms because I'm just a huge fan of what's happening in voice. And I'm also the host of the Bixby Developers Chat podcast. And that's actually what we're going to be recording Today, today I have the honor of talking with Carol and Mikkel, and I'm not going to pronounce your last names because I'm going to get it completely wrong, but Carol and Mikkel are the founders of Voice Lunch. We just had a great Voice Lunch session. Voice Lunch is really a community of voice developers, designers, and enthusiasts, amazing conversations there, and both are really deeply involved in the voice ecosystem above and beyond Voice Lunch, so we'll talk about that today. But Carol, let's start with you. Please introduce yourself. First of all, welcome, Roger. Thanks a lot for the invitation. It's great to be here and to have a conversation with you. Welcome all the people who gathered here at Clubhouse and also a warm welcome to all of the listeners of your podcast. Very shortly, Carol Stry, if you would like to pronounce my surname, I'm the man who loves niches. And I remember myself when I got into podcasting a couple of years ago, and that was, in fact, my first steps into voice. 
I founded first podcasting network in Poland. Right now, I run a small podcasting studio serving the clients in Poland uh, that want to create their own podcast channels. I also run my own podcast as well. I work, for example, for the Polish office of the Facebook. You probably know that company. And right now, I'm uh, transitioning into uh, voice because, like I said, I love niches and I love new topics. And I'm finding myself as a man who will be a kind of the link between the brands and the voice agencies and the one who will be able to explain why companies and brands should invoice and making sure that they will work with the proper companies, so the agencies, uh, conversation designers, etc. So this is my story. Awesome. As I said, you're deeply immersed in voice above and beyond what people most know you for, which is voice lunch. Mikhail, please introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Mikhail Stanislavik. And yes, I'm a co-founder of Voice Lunch, but my voice journey started a little bit before that. I've always been working around media. I've been, well, before before I started the voice, I've been working with TVs and broadcasters, technology for, for media in general. And then at the beginning of uh, 2019, when Google Assistant was entering the Polish market, together with a bunch of uh, friends, we co-founded an agency and an R&D shop here in Poland. And we do work with uh, a bunch of brands globally. We do we have created uh, a number of uh, experiences for the Polish market. We're doing some R&D around things like cough detection and, and some medical applications as well. And generally, a lot is happening uh, in that space for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and uh, welcome everyone in the audience and welcome podcast listeners. Great. Welcome to uh, both of you. Hey, so Carol, tell me a little bit more about, you said you do a lot of podcast work. I'm curious about, and you run, you have your own podcast. Tell me more about that. I, I started my own podcast that is called, it's called Zabodosu, which means professionals. And because I was really interested in a question, why people do what they do. So I started to interview the people who excel in their professional life. That's how it started. I decided to run my own podcast because I wanted to learn it on the go. I didn't have any kind of previous experience in sound design, in any kind of journalism. So I said, hey, if I want to convince the companies, the brands to invest in podcasting, I've got to learn it uh, myself. And this is how it happened. I started my podcast channel uh, over three years ago, and that was quite successful. And thanks to that, all the other things connected with podcasting happened. So the network, the first podcasting studio, the company, the projects with the uh, local and the international brands that I'm right involved in. And I think that the most important thing about podcasting is that, as Gary Vaynerchuk always says, try to find your own medium. And truth to be told, I was trying to find my medium for a long, long time. I was trying to write a blog and it didn't succeed. It. And finally, I got into voice space. And because of that, I do really enjoy talking and asking people about different kinds of stuff. I fell in love with voice and with podcasting. 
Awesome. Hey, let me take a little second to reset the room. So for those who just joined, what we're doing is we're actually recording a live podcast today. For the first 20, 30 minutes, I'll be interviewing Carol and Mikkel for the podcast, and then we'll open it up for any of you to jump on stage and ask your questions. Just realize that you are being recorded if you jump on stage. That's an important thing to notify people in Clubhouse. But welcome everyone who's just joined. And Carol, that's uh, great. You are deeply entrenched <laughs> in uh, in voice. It's funny. I'm used to uh, recording podcasts and then being able to edit them, but being live is actually putting me a little bit on uh, thinner ice, so to speak. But that's okay. It's part of the fun. Mikkel, tell me more um, about what you're doing podcasting and in work and voice. Can you dive a little bit deeper into what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. We generally like founded the agency with the sole purpose of, of working just just with voice. I mean, one of the things that we said outright is that we just want to create a, a project. We just want to work on projects that, that have at least something to do with voice. And one of the things that, that we started this with, with is we created a, a daily quiz and a skill. It wasn't the first skill. It was with Took some iterations and a, and a couple of um, ex- experience gathering before that, but we did it in order to figure out what's the depth of the Polish market. And it turned out that on Google Assistant in Poland, we're able to aggregate fifty thousand users. Then it t- turned out that we released another skill, sorry, action, I should be saying, and it turned out that another fifty thousand uh, users a month started using it. This encouraged us uh, a lot to be working with voice uh, even further because if on a market that only where, where the Google Assistant is only available on phones, there are so many users that are organically using uh, uh, the Assistant, then there's definitely an audience uh, that we would like to service. And one of the things that, that we're sort of doing, you asked about podcasting, is we are now building uh, sort of a second startup, which is called hearme.ai, which, is, which focuses on owners of WordPress. And that's why in, in Voice Lunch, I knew the WordPress statistics. So is what we want to do is we want to give WordPress people the ability to convert their written text into audio and then podcasts into forms that are not just TTS that you would find normally on your websites, but you pre- present it in such a way that allows continuous listening or allows listening on the go to the content that you might now, for now have just in a written form. Interesting. So is that a WordPress plugin? If I have a WordPress site and I want to voice enable it, do you have a plugin that enables you to voice enable it or how does that all work? Yeah, we do. Right now, we've got a, we've got an MVP that works uh, uh, that works with the RSS out of out of WordPress. But we are now actively working on a plugin as well, in order to like make it that easy for people to uh, just plug in and start using it. So, guys, I think a lot of people have a question. I certainly do. Is I would love to understand. Uh, how Voice Lunch started? What was the beginnings of it? Because it certainly germinated into something very big now in the voice community. But where did it start? Well, it started with a tweet. It started with a tweet from Jan from Jovo. Initially, he asked, it must have been almost exactly a year ago when the first lockdown started rolling through Europe. Who wants to like meet for lunch? And and from one word to another, we sort of created the, the first voice lunch where we invited everyone. We started aggregating people or notifying people through Twitter. And soon enough, it turned out that these meetings attract 
quite a lot of people at the very like beginning was almost kind of selfish um, because we at that point we realized that we're not going to be able to attend all the conferences that we had planned for the year or going to the US to attend Voice Summit for example or going to the All About Voice to Germany at that point we knew it's not going to happen so we were like we really want to talk to those people and because we always loved those conversations that happened around the lunch table or when we were queuing to the uh, food court or to the food trucks we thought that uh, we want to have those conversations we're just going to we're just going to move them into the virtual space well, if it's selfish, it's benefited a lot of people because I too share that uh, desire to reach out and meet people. And I'm thinking the last voice event right before the pandemic was uh, that I went to was Project Voice in Chattanooga, right in January. And we're all somewhat blissfully unaware of what was going to happen there. But you're absolutely right. It's those uh, the people you meet in the hallway and you only know them by their Twitter handle or some other conversation. And that's what's amazing about it. And I, I think... One of the things that I really like about Voice Lunch, and I think many others do, is it is starting to be a substitute for that. There's a lot of side uh, chatter on the chat, almost separate of what's being presented or talked about. And so there's a lot of people that people are meeting in Voice Lunch. Now I'm looking post-pandemic forward to actually meeting a bunch of people who I've seen now in Voice Lunch, but actually meeting them in person, including the, the two of you. So let's, let's hope that's not too far off. Looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. Now, I sometimes, sorry, Roger, I sometimes uh, use the description for the voice lunch that it's kind of the cocktail party of the voice community. Do you mean I need to start drinking at 9 a.m. when it starts? Sure, unless you, unless you have something to eat as well. In my time zone, at least. Great. Well, guys, one of the things that's actually really impressed me is I remember early on, I certainly did join the initial voice lunches, but pretty early I joined it and it was just voice lunch. And now you have voice lunch, you have voice lunch language and logistics. You just launched voice lunch for developers. I guess we're getting a voice lunch strategy session going starting next week. That was just announced at voice lunch this morning. And on my count, you have 11 region country-specific voice lunches with more planned, which is super impressive. Well, anything you want to talk about, anything I missed there as far as voice lunch communities, because they grow so fast, I can't keep track of them. But also, I'm just curious about just a lot of incredible organic growth. Where where did these ideas for these additional voice lunch specific, one for developers or voice lunch for the UK or all the other regional ones. Where did those come from? Did people volunteer to go do that? Or what was the genesis for this? Well, the greatest thing about the voice lunch and growing uh, intensively is that it's really an organic reach. And sometimes when we talk with Michael about the voice lunch development and about some plans for upcoming months and years, we would tend to laugh that it succeeded because we didn't plan it. And this is the truth about the voice lunch that all this organic growth happens because of the people that joins voice lunch. For example, the first local voice lunches, for example, the, the Dutch one or the Spanish one, the Dutch one with Martin Lenz with Gerald or the Spanish one with Jesus, they just reach out to us and ask, hey guys, we would like to do the same locally, what you do globally. 
And <clears throat> right now, as you told Roger, we've got the voice launch language and linguistics, voice launch devs strategy, also voice launch book club. And we are active uh, in US, Canada, Netherlands, Italy, France, UK, Brazil, India, Israel, Japan, in the Nordic countries as well, and the Spanish speaking countries. Soon there will be voice launch also Russia, Africa, and some other as well. To add something? Yeah. Yes, I think one thing that would be worth mentioning is that we never, our intention was never to build the tallest building in town. So our intention was never create the biggest meetings. One of one of the main reason for voice launch is to facilitate interesting discussions in this space. And this is what our goal is. We absolutely are open to, to anyone. And I guess it would be important to say that we've been following three principles so from the very beginning. The first one is that everyone is welcome, absolutely everyone. We welcome people who know about this space, who are experts. We welcome people who are just learning or who are just interested. There's space for everyone at Voice Lunch. The second one is that there is no commercial flavor. One of the things that we stand by from the very beginning is that there is no place for selling at Voice Lunches. Obviously, we allow people to explain what they're working on if there is a context for that. So it's not like absolutely super strict, but there is no place for selling. And the third one is that everyone has a voice. We don't censor people. We allow everyone to participate in the discussion. And discussion is, that is what's at the heart of Voice Lunch and what's truly most important to us. And that's probably also why we grew so wide rather than tall, is we wanted to make sure that all of those places, all of those different languages and regions create the opportunity for people from those, from those regions and languages to have meaningful discussions like we do during the global sessions. Yeah, one of the things I really enjoy about it is really is everyone is welcome. So you get really a great cross section of some hardcore developers, you get some designers, there's business people, there's marketing people. Sometimes a lot of discussions you can have get insular to people who do the same things you do. And I find it super interesting as there's a sometimes a bit of a debate and disagreement, which is super healthy that happens in, in voice launch. And I think the plethora of different people and different opinions and different viewpoints because people have different jobs and different ways of seeing what they're doing in the voice really, really contributes uh, to that. I and mean, clearly all voices welcome. You're absolutely right. That's amazing. What, what you guys really have done is built this amazing community. I know you're saying much of it was organic and, and it just happened and clearly COVID came along and something virtual drove it. And so the timing was great and it made sense. But can you share anything else that you did outside of hosting the voice lunches to promote it or any other community building hints that you might be able to share with people who might be building their own community and really interested in, in, in doing something similar or akin or different, but still building community like you guys did? Do you want to start, Carol? Right. So I've got strong opinions about that. And I know that Carol can tell a lot uh, from his perspective because he's been doing amazing things around promoting it and making sure that people send us videos and stuff like that. I'll let him talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things that we did is we took our egos out of, out of it. And I guess this is probably to me the most important thing when you're building a community. 
we never made it about Mikhail and Carol. We made it about the community from the very beginning. We welcome pretty much anyone to become hosts, even during the global sessions. We're actively seeking out people to actually host the discussions and moderate the discussions. And, you know, we're very happy to sit in the audience and participate as anyone else would during those discussions. But there's definitely been a lot of work that we've put in. And again, a lot of it was was Carol as when we contacted people slightly outside of the voice space to try to bring in, you know, ideas and discussions and maybe even topics that don't fall necessarily right into the discussions that we have within this industry and space. Things like the the discussion with the astronaut that we had or the sex discussion that we had quite recently. You know, those things took some time in terms of finding the right people and and bringing in uh, these topics. But anyway, I'll, I've been saying a lot. Carol, do you, do you want to add in? Yeah, I remember the early days of the voice launch when I googled the, the phrase how to build the community. And I remember myself back then when I wrote one very important thing and one very important sentence that became a kind of foundation for what we are trying to achieve building voice launch, that the real community is not the biggest one, but it is the one that the members of the community are starting to help each other. And I think this is one of the most important things for us to create really bonds between the people who joins us for an hour to talk together, but also to build a real relationships between them and to allow them to maybe not even work together or doing some business but sometimes to just reach out to someone and talk about your problems with development, with the conversation design, with anything. And this one important thing. And the second one is that there is no kind of automated super tool that allows you to create the community. And lots of work that we do, it's done manually. So in the early days, we are just reaching out to people on LinkedIn uh, saying, hi, this is Michael, hi, this is Carol. We'd like to invite you to the voice lunch meeting. And voice lunch meeting is the casual meeting for all the voice enthusiasts. If you have any questions, reach out to us or join the session and enjoy it. So this is it, the organic reach that we had, also the organic work that we uh, had. We didn't spend a dollar for advertising voice lunch. We don't even have a website up till now. So the organic thing is, I think, a very important aspect for us. So you didn't spend a dollar and you have no website. You have a lot of community builders jealous, actually, with a comment like that, because people spend a lot of money on building community. It strikes me one of the things you guys are saying is you build the community by empowering the community. And that means really making it a community where you guys got yourselves out of the way. You facilitated it, but then you let people create a community and now many different communities. And I think that's what sometimes people forget when they're creating a community. It's not about command and control. It's almost about giving up control and letting Mm -hmm. the community become a community. So I do want to open it. With that being said, I want to open it up. I just enabled hand raising. So if you'd like to jump up on stage please do uh, raise your hand. 
I do want to remind everyone that we are recording this. This will be released as a podcast. So realize that if you jump on stage, you are being recorded. But if you have any questions for Carol or Mikhail, please raise your hands. People are doing that. One of the things that I wanted to add earlier is that you know, when we started voice lunches, going back to that self-centered reason for starting it, wanting to meet people, I realized after maybe a month, maybe a month and a half, that I've actually met and have spoken to more people on voice lunches than I probably would or that I had in the previous couple of months. It was really amazing to learn that such a simple way of, of, of getting people together virtually, something that we could have done before. It wasn't really the, the pandemic that, that gave us those tools that was so effective and that was so helpful. You know what? The, the one thing I remember very, very well, and I'm super happy that Ian Utili is today, because I remember myself being present at the Voice Summit in 2019 in Newark, and that was my first voice event ever. I was starting off with being myself in the voice space, and I remember myself Googling Ian Utili and showing him driving over the event venue with his Shigway. And I thought, hey, that would be great to have a chance to uh, speak with Ian sometime. And today we just set up the date for our session at Voice Lunch with Ian Utili. So this, this is really cool that Voice Lunch is a really a place that connects people. And I really, uh, I'm super, super grateful for that. Yeah, Ian is not to be missed at a live conference, <laughs> shooting around in whatever a toy, uh, his favorite toy is. I remember him at a Project Voice on his, I'm going to get the name wrong, it's the thing with the one wheel, little uh, skateboardy thing. Sorry, Ian, <laughs> jump on and correct me. Shooting around everything, and he's, he's quite the character and, and someone that can't be missed. Well, I'm not getting any questions, so you guys are being shy. But so I will go ahead and ask you guys a question. We talked a lot about voice lunch. You guys are both involved deeply in podcasting. And I am curious, what's your take on the state of where podcasting is right now? What would you like to see? Where would you like to see podcasting go? Uh, are we talking about the uh, state of the podcasting worldwide or US or uh, Europe or Poland? Because these are quite different stages. But and the one thing I really... Uh, sorry, Roger. Oh, go ahead. Whatever makes sense to you. Yeah. The one thing that I'm really looking for in the podcasting right now is the variety of the formats, because I tend to, and that's also the reason why I don't record as often as before. I see that people, when talking about the podcasts, are saying that podcast is a kind of interview. And for me, podcasting is a is just uh, an audio content. And I'm really looking for the new formats and new ideas for the, for the podcasts and programs that will be kind of stories that will be different things that we can right now not imagine. I think you're right. It's, it's audio entertainment, not just an interview. Yeah. I, for one, am looking super for, I would love to have, and it was a little bit why we tried this experiment, is a little more interactivity. With podcasts, when you're recording a podcast, you record it, you talk to your guests, and yeah. then you release it, and then it's released mm -hmm. and it's out in the world. And you know, and that, that's wanna... where the clubhouse comes in. Yeah, exactly. What is the audience thinking? Did they like that? Was that interesting? 
Did uh, I miss a question that everyone wanted to ask or was super curious about it? I, I frankly would love to see, uh, and this is a conversation I've had with Terry Fisher a little bit around adding some interactivity to podcasts where you could ask the audience a question, right? Maybe it's a poll or something. Maybe it's not. Clubhouse is real time, but even something in, in it was after the fact where there, you could add some interactivity or the audience could, you know, I don't know. Thumbs up, thumbs down to what they're hearing would be incredibly powerful for podcasting. All right. Still no hands raised. Guys, guys, raise your hands if you have any questions. A a question I had, because both of you are in Poland, and a little bit about the the state of voice in Poland, because I think it's interesting. I know that a lot of the devices aren't released. And yet, Poland seems to be at a bit of a hotbed for voice technology. I know about you two guys. I work for Samsung. We have a pretty big lab in Poland that is doing a lot with AI and voice. What's your view on what's happening in in Poland itself and voice and AI? Michael? Poland seems to be a center for a lot of uh, things associated with not just voice itself, but audio processing as such. And there are a lot of great companies that, that work on ASR, that work on TTS, that work on NLU as well. And a bunch of big companies have big centers in Poland, like Samsung, uh, Amazon as well. And I think that Poland is is also in a limbo, I would say, because it's really, it's the voice is almost here, but not quite. The only real voice assistant that people can use on a mass scale is, uh, is Google Assistant, but it's only available for phones, which means that if you go around Poland and if you ask an average person, they would not know what a smart speaker is. They might have heard about Alexa here and there or Google Assistant, but it's nothing that they were able to try out or nothing. And even if they can buy it in stores, it's not something that they can use in their native language. But there's definitely, as I said before, there's definitely a lot of a lot of interest, especially around entertainment and a lot of traffic that we're seeing from people just naturally using it. Even though Google, when it launched, there was no campaign. Like in other European countries, you'd see posters, you'd see billboards outside saying, oh, just talk to this assistant. In Poland, there was nothing like that. So the whole discovery that those people made and just even focusing on, on the 100,000 people that use our skills, they must have made it themselves or by word of mouth or by just whatever internet source that they've had. So that's quite encouraging from that perspective. What's also yeah. super, super interesting, and there is a kind of anecdote about the Polish market. The first name of Alexa was in fact Ivona, because Ivona Software was the company that created the system, which was uh, acquired by Amazon. And basing on that, the Alexa was created. And right now in, at the north, in the north part of Poland, there is more than five, um, 400 people working on TTS for, for the Amazon in Gdansk. As I said, there's a, a hotbed of AI and voice in, in Poland, which is, is really incredible. So, hey, I noticed a couple more people joined the room just to reset the room. We're recording a live podcast here, and I'm encouraging audience participation. So if you have a question for Carol or Mikkel, please raise your hand and we'll bring you up on stage. Just an FYI that you are being recorded. So please go ahead and raise your hand. So podcast listeners, I'm now going to start bringing people up on stage in Clubhouse. What being brought up on stage means, if you haven't used Clubhouse, is the moderator or moderators of the discussion 
are inviting you to ask a question. So in many ways, this ends the traditional part of the podcast Q&A between me and my guests. I'm now letting the Clubhouse audience drive the conversation. This is the big experiment and the one I'm super excited for feedback on. Without further ado, here's the conversation on Clubhouse. Audrey wants to join, so I'm going to bring her up on stage. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, it seems like only yesterday that I saw you. I, I have a question that comes up a lot because I do a lot of voice branding and I do a lot of TTS and I, I've worked in a lot of these countries. And one thing that I struggle a little bit with is the budgets. And it's an interesting thing to me because in certain countries, the budgets are unbelievably low and the products they're putting out are unbelievably high. So it's really presents a challenge when you have to have, you're not providing four options, you're providing 700 options. Do you know what I mean? And I was wondering, does, is that my perception of voice and because I know with orchestras, when I work with orchestras, orchestras, say, in the Czech Republic are far less than the United States, or they used to be. They're getting, they're getting a closer here, which is kind of nice. But I, I do find that there's a big discrepancy in that. And I think that will limit people that are developing, like we are, because there's talents we want to present and talents we want to bring in. And they're just not going to go for budgets that are typical to what they're used to. Is that anybody else's reality? And that's it for me. I'm not sure if I understood your question correctly, but there's definitely still a gap between sort of Eastern Europe and, and Western Europe uh, when it comes to rates. I mean, the gap is closing and especially within like IT and development itself, that that is, is far, far less the gap itself than it was before in terms of cost, in terms of cost of development and stuff like that. When it comes to other areas, so the, the gap is probably slightly bigger still, but I don't like we're not working directly with any audio talent uh, at the moment. So I wouldn't have the uh, most up-to-date data on that. But the reality is also that any budgets that are allocated to voice projects within Poland are going to be far less, for example, than budgets that we could work with for any other European country, for example. So the possibilities uh, of what we can do are also much more limited and we got to be we got to be really crafty about how we approach it and what we can squeeze in, what we can't. So there's definitely that. Yeah, and we have clients that are regular clients and we will do the projects. We're going to and we're going to do them as, at a, at a top level, but it does wind up for us doing like a lot more work because there's so much we do with the talents. We we analyze their voices, we listen for you know popped P's and plosives and steadiness of voice ear fatigue, how well are they going to 
play out over the long term. And then on top of that, we get a little bit limited. But in the end of the day, we deliver. And I think it sounds excellent. But it just seems like it's a lot more challenging. And particularly, and maybe you can answer this one for me, particularly in Eastern Europe and hiring child talent. I would not know about that, but yeah, I can tell you about Poland. Poland has the same laws as every other country in the European Union. You have to go through uh, special hoops and you definitely have to have parents' permission in order to hire any child. Although I, I probably am not the best person to answer that because well, it's not, it's, these yeah. are not, this is not the setting that we've worked with. I can only one, say one thing and assure you that I haven't come across in any kind of case that engage uh, child work or something like this. That definitely not this kind of story. However, you are right about the rates and about the prices. And when you compare, because I know the prices, for example, from the Western Europe, speaking to the podcasting projects and the podcasting work, the audio branding, it's definitely well, just the, the proper word. So more competitive or simply cheaper than the Eastern Europe. I know that this may be a problem for the companies that want to enter the underdeveloping markets like Poland for the competition from the West. And I like working with Poland, uh, but I had to cast something with up in. I needed there's certain countries that are extremely protective of their child talents. And I'll put out a call and I'll get two kids. I'll put out that same call in other countries and I'll get. 150 kids. So there is something that they just maybe don't want their kids doing voiceover work or don't trust it or don't know enough about about it, that it's reputable and how it's going to be used. I've been trying to figure that one out, but I find casting casting children is gets a little challenging at times. Yeah, I think certainly business and social norms around the world always intersect and cause both challenges and opportunities. I wanted to, if anyone else has some questions, please uh, raise your hand and jump up on stage. Carol and Michal, I always like to ask guests, there's a couple questions. And Audrey, you feel free to jump in on this one as well. Okay. Uh, there's my hidden gems question is, what's a voice experience that you really like? You think is a bit of a hidden gem? that uh, you enjoy, but you w wish more people would enjoy and use. could be on any of the platforms. Can I tell about the experience that I can only imagine right now? Please do. I like the, the kind of the statement that sooner or later, every app will be a voice app. So I'm looking forward and I think that would be a great place to start off the discussion with Alan Fustenberg, who is an expert on the Google Glass. When you actually combine the voice interface with the modality of the screen that is straight on your head and allows you to not even take your phone out of the pocket and see everything about the apps and using just voice to control everything. And that's the, the kind of I'm looking forward to speaking to voice there's like for me this is not going to be this is not going to be super super unique but one thing that i've been that i've noticed with siri actually is that siri is getting better and better 
with Polish names. So something that helps and a tremendous lot when it comes to like names of contacts, but also things like controlling your smartphone. So right now, controlling uh, uh, the names that that we've set for all of the smart bulbs and things like that around the house is something that is much easier when it comes to voice control. And I honestly am very pleasantly surprised by how well is it being handled, even though we, we have to issue commands in English. But the names of the devices are actually in Polish. It tends to be recognized, and I would say, almost 90% of the times, which is great. And there's something that I need to mention. It's not on platforms, but I recently came across Word and the dictation. And I got to say, I'm so pleasantly surprised with how it works that I urge anyone to, to try it out. Something that I didn't, didn't know before it just popped up as a possibility one day when I opened it up. But yeah, kudos to Microsoft for what they did there. And the, oh, go ahead, Audrey. Sure. And the one that comes to my mind, and I, I'm not saying this because we did it, it it just was so, it's gotten like a lot of people know these voices, but we did all the sonic branding and product sonification for Logitech's Ultimate Ears. So the boom, the mega boom, all of the all of their different speakers and they have a central narrative and they have a, a brand branding attributes and when we did the voice casting we used that same criteria for casting the voices so the voices that are in the product no matter what language they're saying you know 40 percent charged and they say it in spanish and they say it in french and they say it in in these different languages this is the second time this happened to me, big time. But when you listen to those voices in the speaker, because the brand has such specific characteristics, and if we use that as our filter, you listen to the voices and they almost sound like sisters. And it's not necessarily we're looking for people that sound like sisters. We're following the brand personality. We're following what the brand stands for. And if you do it right, it naturally will come out where they really sound connected. And that particular product, those girls tell me when they when I call them in for the next session or we do whatever, they'll say, I was at a concert and someone heard me talk and they said, Oh, you're the voice in the UE boom. It's it was it really came out nicely to align with the brand. That's awesome when it works extremely well and aligns with the brand. And that is funny. <laughs> You're the voice of UE Boom. I can imagine that conversation. Hey, I yeah, the to... price the price doubled the next time around. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> I want to recognize, and I apologize if I get your name wrong. Is it Rocky? Please, uh, you jumped on uh, stage. Please ask a question. Hello. How, how do you pronounce hello, your name? Roger. I pronounce my name as Iraqli. Oh. Like Saddam Hussein from Iraq and Lee, like Bruce Lee. So it's Iraqli. Yes, but Google Assistant understands me as you're ugly when I ask him about my name. And it's a really fun That's story. That's nice. But yes, again, I'm Iraqli. And Audrey, may I ask a question regarding sound branding? Because sonic branding, as you say, as you name it. Because now we are at the stage when synthetic voices are 
almost like like natural voices. They mostly lack some individual emotional part, but in general, they are pretty accurate in terms of delivering content and having an idea that sound and audio and sonic branding is an, an in, like an essential part of any app application. And we, as Michael said, or probably Carol said that in the future, all applications will be, you know, powered by conversational AI and interfaces will be like multimodal interfaces. And we will have to deliver a lot of content via voice. Do you think that synthetic voices are the next step in in sonic branding? I don't know if they're the next step. There's so many steps. Every time I turn around, there's a new step that really amazes me. But they are a big step. Absolutely. From where they sounded even three years ago to where they sound now, it's just got to get the emotional part in and just... There are people working on that now, and it's come a a tremendous way. Also, the amount of time that you need to record a person to then be able to make a full voice out of them has really shortened. So I think synthetic voice that sounds pretty real is, I've heard some already, at the same time, I have two clients, very big global clients that came in the past two weeks that want their own custom voice. And that's it. They want that voice to be known for them and crafted for them. So I I think you're going to have one side that's leaning that way, but I'm not opposed to the synthetic voices at all. If they say, if they can get the emotion in, Hey, so following question about that, Audrey, when you say you had two big clients, so that do they want their own synthetic voice or do they want to record a voice actor and then I'll say clone it into a synthetic voice? Kind of two ways of, of doing that. They want their own real voice recorded for probably a few months and so that it has every utterance and then they will prepare it for their different platforms. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I just think it's been, it's so seminal in all advertising, right? Is the the tune and the jingle and also the voices. I could hear voices, ads from my childhood, just the voice would remind me of the company. And uh, I see that is going to happen more and more. And I, I think you're absolutely right about it. Synthetic voice. They've come a long way and they sound pretty darn good. And you can do a lot of things with SSML and modify voices and do it. The problem is they don't understand the content. And if you don't understand the content you're reading, it's hard to put that kind of emotive quality into it. But AI is advancing, so it's coming. So anyone else? Oh, I have a couple more people. Let me let's see. James, are you right? James, welcome. Hey. Hi, guys. I saw Dr. Terry Fisher, who I'm a fan of his work. And I recently designed a voice app for people who stutter. So I made a thing on Amazon Alexa that's a survey and education for people who stutter about myths about stuttering and what they can do. My question is, what? how long is it going to be disorders, do you think? 
So I don't know if you guys walking out of the house. Uh, I think you broke up there. You were in the middle of asking a question, James, at least for me, you broke up your, your how long and then it, it broke up. Okay, sorry about that. I'm, so I'm a speech pathologist and I'm interested in voice experiences. And I made one recently as part of a 72 hour challenge. And I'm wondering, in your opinions, how long will it take for voice technology to be able to recognize people with accents or maybe a stutter or speech disorders of different kinds where it will get smart enough to uh, recognize different variances in, in voice? I'll jump. Oh, Mikhail? Yeah, I just, I really just wanted to say that this is already happening and probably uh, a good example is Project Euphonia by Google. If you don't, if you don't know it yet, I, I'd suggest you check it out. And there's definitely people that are working uh, on making sure that, that not just speeches being recognized or not just what you would call regular speeches is being recognized. So I would not be surprised if there are people working on models that would recognize the stutter properly uh, as well out there. I don't know, Roger, maybe you have more info about that. No, I, I don't. I was going to mention I knew, and you knew the name. Of, I know Google's been doing a lot of work there. And I, I just think it's just, <laughs> I just encourage that. And I think it's an amazing thing because what a way, if you have some challenge, to be able to talk to your voice assistant, have it understand stand you, and it has to be confidence building. And I think that'd be so important for the industry in such kind of uh, ripe fruit for the industry to go attack for something where it really does a lot of good. For a lot of people there but yeah no i think part of the challenges is the in working for a, a company that does great voice assistance is the training data there's a the massive amount of data with i'll call the standard accents and people without some challenges like stuttering and so these are all trained on that and so they work great if you absolutely have the kind of perfect high accent but as soon as you speak a little bit differently with an accent or as soon as maybe you stutter it doesn't work. And I think that's just a challenge of the industry going out and finding the data, the, the diversity in the data that's used to train the AI around voice recognition is going to be the key to bringing a bunch of new people into the ecosystem and using it and enjoying voice assistance and being able to talk to them. So I, I guess a long-winded answer to say I'm a big fan of the industry making this happen. And the industry just needs to focus on it. And kudos to companies like Google Hub clearly are doing some great work on this. Yeah, and and Google, you just to add to what you were saying, Google, Google Euphonia, Google Research within that project, they are actually reaching out to people to send them recording people with conditions like ALS, stroke, after stroke or, or brain injury, and they can submit the recordings to Google Research and that will actually in turn improve the algorithms and, and help them serve this space even better. Oh, I don't know if this got mentioned because I sort of caught something and it might be what I'm going to talk about but did you guys talk about kids with down syndrome because google has a, a project that they it's fantastic because children with not children anybody adults whatever there's a certain pattern to their speech and they did and you could look it up you could watch the video and they would show them talking to their device and the device was, I didn't quite get that and whatever. So they did an, they did a project with Google 
to make a voice that understood people with Down syndrome. And then they showed how much it recognized when that was added as a voice and how liberating for for these people it was. It really, I'm really big into health and science. Everybody knows that, who knows me. But I was like almost like in tears because the empowerment that it gave that community to me was just, I was really proud. I was really proud that there was a project like that. I'm really proud when I listen to what Rupal Patel does with her synthetic voices. There are things that are coming, and I agree with you. Stuttering is such a hard thing, and a lot of kids outgrow it, but it's a hard thing. And I think that anybody who's doing anything or anybody who has an interest in health and wellness, it just, I give them so much credit. I appreciate uh, may it. I, may I add some words? In my opinion, so we are training now different models, like with names. And I think it's pretty easy to develop a model. If you set, for example, with kids or people with a Down syndrome, and if you just put your speech-to-text model into that mode, then it will easily understand. The problem is that you have to set this mode up front. Like, it's like setting a language model. So if, if the system knows that this is a model for people with Down syndrome, and you have a trained model for that, it will recognize it easily. So the problem is to understand what the model is actually. Like understand what the language is, right? Because the model of speech is the same to model of language. And I think if you know what models you need, you can easily train. If Google doesn't have it yet, you can easily train your speech-to-text model for that case, that particular case. And that's not because data is there. You don't need a lot of time to develop a model for that. You just need to uh, develop a model for a particular use case and use it only for that use case. In this case, it will be pretty accurate. That's my opinion. And what they did, and you see these kids, they all participated in this. They were all had their voices recorded for this. I don't know how many they had. And that way they were able to see the patterns and the similarities by bringing in live participants and quite a few of them who really felt proud that they were part of that project. And I, I hear what you're saying, though. Yes, in that case, they were able to do that and then build it out from there. But it's going to be fascinating to see where all this goes because it's just, it's it seems like every other day it's gaining more and more momentum. I want to welcome one of my favorite people in voice, the voice doctor. Terry Fisher to the stage. Hey, Terry. Hey, Roger. Hey, everybody. This is just, I feel like it's like a social gathering of friends here. It's great. No, I, I just jumped up when I heard Audrey talk about this project with Down syndrome because I got me really excited about it too. It, it's called Project Understood. That's the name of the project. So if anybody wants to look it up, it's a partnership between Google AI and the Canadian Down Syndrome Society. And it's just, it's just, I agree with you, Audrey. It's just so wonderful to see these kind of initiatives really making an impact. That's all I really wanted to contribute. I just wanted to give the name of the project if anybody wants to check it out, Project Understood. Awesome. Thanks, Terry. Thank yeah. you, Terry.
Yeah. Uh, Audrey, you such a, it's so empowering to people. And I think that's just, that's just an, such an amazing opportunity. It does almost bring tears to my eyes when I've seen those videos too. Likewise. Hey guys, anyone can feel the jump up on stage. But in absence of that, I wanted to ask Carol and Mikkel or anyone else, one question I always like to ask in my podcast as we're wrapping up is your predictions. And I'll give you guys the option. You want to talk about the next year in voice or five, 10 years out? Give me your wild and crazy predictions for where, where voice is going. Oh, I can start. It's not going to be, it's not going to be anything sexy. I think that voice, especially now 2021, maybe 2022 as well. It's going to become available in more and more mobile apps. And I'm really hoping, although I'm not sure if I would say that this is, this is my expectation, I will, I'm really hoping that it's going to start to be like really visible uh, on the web surface as well. Especially that there are a lot of people that are using voice assistants using smartphones, and it only makes sense to start making it available for people, uh, especially if you have your own web uh, application that actually uh, provides certain certain fun functionality that that can be uh, augmented with voice. It's just it feels like a, it feels like a no brainer, and that's also why I'm so excited for uh, the session that we're going to have with with Jan from Jovo at the next Voice Lunch Devs about building voice experiences for the web. So anyway, that's these are my uh, predictions and hopes. Speaking to me, the one thing that I dream of, mostly speaking about the, the our local things here in Poland, is driving adoption. So I'm really looking forward to any kind of cooperation between Amazon or Google and the mobile operators and allowing people to have, let's say, almost a free device when you renew your mobile phone agreements. The thing that I'm really looking for is the adoption here on the device level. Awesome. So web and device then is your predictions. So we'll have to, as COVID winds up, guys, we'll have to have a, a beer in, in the next year or two and uh, <laughs> see how those predictions came up. Hey, does anyone else on stage want to give their predictions for voice in the next year, five years? So no. I may, may I see? So, yes. So my idea is that we will see more brands using conversational AI influencers, like providing the service that kind of complements their product. And I think there will be more and more brands using that type of, you know, this intermediary period between a real AI brands that will will be conversational brands. Brand is such a big asset you cannot risk with your reputation with pure, poor conversation design or technology flows. And so I see that there is a kind of intermediary period when brands will spend more and more money on building this AI conversational AI powered virtual influencers. That's my prediction for next two or three years. Interesting. Araki, you're invited to our party as well. We all look at our predictions. Anyone else? Yes, absolutely. I, I can say one thing about speaking to Iraqi. Iraqi, we hope to have a voice lunch in Georgia. And you know why I'm asking, uh, speaking about that? For sure. No, no, I have no... You, you shouldn't have any worries about it. For sure, we'll launch it next month. <laughs> 
Yeah, we are uh, we are laughing, but we are talking with right now. We are talking with uh, Iraqi about the launching another voice launch in another region that will be very probably voice launch Georgia. Sure. Over to you, Audrey. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. Oh, that's okay. I see. I'll start three things. I see that are going to be. I think are going to be really huge. Is one is. There's going to be, and there is already, uh, quite a bit of fallout from COVID. And there are people who have sim- symptoms that are not going away with their heart or their lung. And we have a medical community that is developing the most amazing, unbelievable devices. So I see a big push in in the healthcare industry, without question. But I also would really love to see the environments that those healthcare facilities are be far more empathetic to the patients that are there. Because I had somebody who was there and all I had was a FaceTime and elderly. And it wasn't when they could bring, somebody could bring it in, I would get to see and talk to him. And then when they didn't, I didn't. And I have this recorded. And you can, the difference when he has that voice and human interaction is day and night. And I would love to see, I see that type of thing being built into medical plans the same way someone takes medication, the same way they get their pulse checked, that they have to have that conversational interaction, whether it's their own family or an, you know, a hospital volunteer assigned to them because it will bring them a long way in wellness. And then the second thing I see is the gap is the conversational part of uh, conversational AI. And Terry, you explain this even better than me. What's missing? How do we get the emotion and the empathy into the voices when the does it really it's really reading and not knowing what you know we were talking about the biomarkers in the voice, and I think that's going to be a huge area as well. And the next thing that I see is within products for kids and learning and toys and interactive STEM kits that I just bought for my niece who's seven years old and loves it for her birthday. And I see it just branching out and just going. That's it for me. Terry, you jump back on stage. You have, have something to add? Oh, sorry. I, I, I was popping in and out because I, I was actually seeing a patient. Okay. So when I use my phone to, to call a patient, it, t- it takes me off and brings me back. I just caught the tail end of that, uh, what Audrey was saying about vocal biomarkers. But I, I think what you were asking was predictions, if I'm not mistaken. And well, I'd agree with Audrey. We're gonna, we're gonna, that's a very exciting area. The whole idea of being able to diagnose mental health conditions, cognitive decline, and physical ailments through the sound of our voice. That's coming. And that's going to be really exciting. Yeah, I can just say personally, not as a physician, but just as a patient, hopefully not very often, but that is, that would be super amazing to start a diagnosis with a voice assistant or, and, or have a conversation with the doctor there. 
uh, I'm talking about, so I have a doctor's appointment in about 20 minutes, actually. And it got me thinking about how amazing it would be to start the conversation earlier and virtually instead of going mask and in person. Hopefully COVID unlocks some of those things. Imagine, imagine if conversations like this, Roger, were being monitored. And then before that appointment, your doctor got a printout of probabilities of you having various types of conditions or things that need to be, that, that you guys need to talk about. That's, that's the kind of thing that I think we might be seeing in the future. That, that would be awesome. That would be really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and talking to Poland, there's actually a company here in Poland that we know that will labor work on ASR, but they also work they together with the university in Japan on detecting illnesses from the tone of your voice, exactly. And they are building uh, a few quite specific models, so something that they haven't released or announced quite yet, but there seems to be quite advanced works on that happening right now. Kudos to that feature. Another example of the Polish company, it's, it's the one that works on the electronic stethoscope. Uh, that will remove the, the analog devices and allow doctors to do the analyze of the breathing without without the, the use of the ear. Yeah, and <laughs> take, I don't want to go down, we're going down this rabbit hole of healthcare now, Roger, sorry about this, but just also taking things a step further, right? Uh, like vital signs, doctors use vital, like that's, those are some of the key parameters that we use in terms of monitoring health, temperature, respiratory rate, pulse rate, it goes on and on and on, pulse oximetry. I actually wonder if voice is going to become a vital sign. And the thing about but that is it can be monitored from a distance, right? It can be totally decentralized and it can be monitored from your home just with a microphone, which is really interesting. You don't have to actually be in the presence of the patient like you do to take a blood pressure or like you do to put your hand on their wrist and check a pulse like you just it could be monitored like i was saying with that example roger you're talking and then in the appointment time the doctor already knows everything from the sound of your voice so that's kind of interesting to me too terry rabbit hole isn't that what club the beauty of clubhouse is conversations just are so free-flowing they go all over the place that's the thing that i love about it so no worries at all but yeah voice is a vital sign it almost sounds like a slogan yeah you got it <laughs> Terry Fisher's new company. <laughs> I need to get, I need to trademark that one. You do. Another new company. Yeah, you're not busy enough, Terry. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure how to answer that, but that, it's fun. That's fun. All this voice stuff is really fun to be involved with. So it's just, it's, it's great to be part of it and interacting with everybody in the community. I'm joking with Terry because when I interviewed Terry for my podcast, I asked him if he ever slept given the amount that he does. So <laughs> adding more to his plate would seem incredible. But hey, Carol and, and Nickel, before we end up, I want to give you guys a chance to anyone out there who's listening now on Clubhouse or will be listening on the uh, recorded podcast. They're like, wow, voice lunch sounds incredibly cool. How do I get involved? What do they do? Just go to register.voicelunch.com and sign up and you'll get all the invites. We will hopefully launch the, the website that we should after a year very soon. But this is a, the work that has been going for quite a while. So best to catch us on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to just contact us directly. And yeah, definitely register.voicelunch.com. And what about yourself yeah. personally? Oh, go ahead, Carol. You can find me at XMStan in whichever social media uh, network uh, that, that you prefer. 
Yep, and please feel free to join us on Twitter. The Twitter is the、uh, pulse of of the Voice Lunch. You can see there all the kind of invites and the updates. We are looking forward to see you all and have a conversation. Maybe not in a clubhouse style, but in a one and only Voice Lunch style every Tuesday at 6 p.m. CET. Awesome. Any other parting words of wisdom from anyone? All right. If not. Hey, Carol and Mikkel and everyone who jumped on stage! Wow, this is really cool. Lots of fun. I knew it'd be a big experiment. I didn't know how this would work. Recording a live podcast. We'll see how the podcast works out. If you're interested in hearing the podcast, search for Bixby Developers Chat on your favorite podcast player, or ask your voice assistant to play it. It'll be out next Tuesday, so a week from today, the 16th. Uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Roger Kibbe, and I'll give you the information on that. But thank you, thank you, thank you for everyone, for Carol and Mikkel. You guys are such a gem to the voice community with Voice Lunch, and I loved hearing not only about Voice Lunch but about everything you're doing with podcasting and voice. And we got into medicine and Poland and voice actors and availability. What a wide ranging and amazing conversation! So thanks, guys. And thank you, everyone who jumped on stage. Thank you for having us. <laughs> thank you, Raja. Thank you, everybody, and thank you, everybody from Poland, the country that I love. I really do. Thank you very much. Thank you.、Roger. Very nice. Very nice people. Thank you, Roger, for bringing me up. Perfect. All right, thanks, guys. All right, I am going to end the room. But this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you, thank you, everyone、uh, who's here and the whole clubhouse community. All right, take it easy, guys, and I'll steal your line. May the voice be with you. I love that. Please use whenever you want to. All right, take it easy. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye. So, listeners, that's it for my live recording from Clubhouse. Once again, I would absolutely love your input. Did this work, or didn't it work? Should I use Clubhouse in the future, or should I go back to traditional podcasting for all of my podcast? Love your input. Thanks a lot. This is Roger Kibbe from the Bixby Developer Chat Podcast signing off. 